Hello and welcome to your GG Replay for Friday, January 14th, 2022. GG Replay is your Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast where we break down the latest in gaming news hosted by us, the Goodnight Groofs, a place for games, well, and a place for some good old-fashioned goofs. You know, we're still, we're workshopping the slogan here, but you know, we're, we're working on it, okay? My name is Paul. And I am joined, as always, by Matt. What is up, my daddy player? Well, it's Friday, but when you said the date, I don't like January 14th. I, whatever, for whatever reason, I don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way it sounds. It's like a weird mouthful. It doesn't roll off the tongue at all. Weird complaint, but when you said it, I like I cringed a little bit. I'm like, I don't like that date. <laughs> It's an ugly date. Uh, I think there's something about it. You know, the doldrums of January, you know, we're, we're deep in that kind of post Christmas crash. We have, you know, a seasonal defective affective disorder coming out. There's a lot going on here. And I think seeing 14, like it's a Friday, you feel like, oh, we're two weeks in. We're halfway through January. Not even. It's the 14th. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> it's just stressful to see that and know that we got over two weeks left of, I would say, the worst month of the year. Matt, do you do you disagree? Do you think there's a worse month than January? January is probably the worst. I guess the 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 bright side is that you have you have New Year's Day, which is kind of cool, and you have for American football fans, you have the NFL playoffs. So it you know you got some things for for me. I guess like because it's a lot of my life is so based around watching sports <laughs> as far as my timeline. Right. I would say like August is the worst because there's absolutely nothing except for like the beginnings of baseball or I guess the mid season of baseball. That's how much I care about it. I don't, I'm not <laughs> even completely sure. So August and August is too hot. So no sports right. too hot, but yeah, January really not that great. Don't, I, I don't love it, but it's, it's got some okay things to it. But I, what, what I want to ask before I forget we took down our all our Christmas stuff and our Christmas tree last weekend. What's the situation for you? It's gone. It's all gone. Uh, we uh, Rachel and I took down like our stuff. Uh, yeah, I think like if not New Year's Day, like in the weekend, kind of after that, or definitely in the week preceding, uh, or not preceding, but after New Year's, which was which was good. And you know, we still have the Christmas lights up outside on the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? I, I was starting to feel a little self conscious about it because we have it on the timer, so they just they come on every night. I was right. starting to feel a little bad about them because some of the neighbors in our court kind of stopped doing it. But um, as we've gone uh, walking around here, we see there's definitely people still doing it. You know, what? I think okay. January is so such a bummer that I think yeah. you should still you know. Keep me. I don't think there's a problem keeping your Christmas lights on maybe till towards the end of the month, and then you you got to get them down into January, or at least stop turning them on. All right, <laughs> like it gets yeah, a little much. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that's that's our tap now. Uh, join us soon. We're gonna get Marie Kondo on here. We're going to talk about oh. some uh, tidying up tips. Uh, if you touch a video game and you you know it doesn't bring you joy, throw it in the garbage. All right. Well, there's no more physical discs, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we're in trouble. There's physical discs. They just don't do anything. So, you know, you might want to throw those in the garbage. Physical discs didn't touch my heart anymore, so I just stopped buying them. Yeah, that's kind of how it works, right? Now, a little thing we have to remind everyone of, Matt, there's a big event happening this weekend on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash goodnightgroups. What do we have going on there? All right. So the Sonic stream is officially finally happening 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. We're going to enjoy a nice Sunday 
mid-morning brunch style might start off with some lawn mowing simulator potentially for a little bit maybe 30 minutes or so just to get us warmed up and then we're going in to sonic adventure 2 now the reason why i'm playing sonic adventure 2 on stream is because i lost a bet i lost a bet i am being forced by the rest of the groups to play a sonic game because i I came in last place for our Game Awards predictions, so it goes all the way back to the beginning of December, but it's finally happening. I'm going to play Sonic. Maybe hate every second of it, but I'll have fun with people in chat. Matt, who made the bet? I just want to remember that. Who made the bet in the in the parameters? Yeah, sort of at the 11th hour, I came up with the idea <laughs> of the bet and uh, definitely backfired. I felt pretty confident <laughs> about my picks and, uh, well, it didn't go as planned. So I turns out I am the one playing Sonic. I thought it would be a fun goof to make someone else play Sonic. Turns out you guys like Sonic, you and yeah. Mike at least. Yeah. Uh, and now I, ha I have to play Sonic, but I'm going to play Sonic Adventure 2, which is like the one Sonic game I think I can probably tolerate a little bit, but we'll find out on Sunday morning. Yeah, it's uh, really exciting. Make sure you tune in to see if Matt can tolerate it. I think you're going to have a really good time. Uh, at the very best, it's got that kind of thing, and I've seen a lot of people talking about this recently. It's got the camp value of like a, a game that's legitimately very bad in terms of like the dialogue and the acting, which is fun, but then the gameplay is actually kind of fun. So it's kind of weird. Like the game's kind of fun enough to keep you going, but then when the cutscenes happen, it's so bad that it's kind of hilarious. So it's really kind of got a lot going on for it there. So I, I think you might enjoy that. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I'll try to like hijack your computer, maybe see if we can like, um, you know, force you to play it till it's over. And, oh God. Or, I don't know. Something bad will happen. I so, did look at the how long to beat times for yeah. it because I was like, is this something I could just play through entirely in one sitting? It's nine hours, so I'm not going to do that. If it was like yeah. five, I would have considered it maybe. Yeah. Not going to happen. I ha the, the parameters, I do have to play at least two hours of it. So I can't just skip out. So I have to do at least that. We'll see how long I go. But um, if we're having fun, we'll, we'll keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. Once you get in the, the chow garden, that's going to be it. You're not even going to play the rest of the game. You're just going to raise your, your beautiful little chows. It's going to be a lovely time. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Moving onward here. Uh, just a little small addendum I want to make to Wednesday's PS4 story, because I, I feel like, uh, you know, there was we, we talked about the story where Sony was saying they're going to keep making at least a million PS4s this year coming in 2022. Uh, and because of, you know, lack of PS5s and the chip shortage and everything else. And, you know, a lot of gaming journalists and websites kind of got on that story very quickly and wanted to make it very clear that Microsoft uh, had actually stopped producing Xbox One consoles way back in 2020. So there were actually none produced in 2021. So I just, I, I kind of want to add that little addendum because I was kind of predicting and saying like, I think Microsoft doesn't have to make the ones anymore because of the Series S and blah, blah, blah. So just a, just a factual addition there they they haven't so there you go kind of interesting uh if you come across any necessary corrections in today's episode or just want to leave us a comment or an addendum or anything send an email to ggreplayshow at gmail.com so we can address them in the next episode now matt let's move on to talk about a game here that we wanted to talk about in the reviews, but there's just no real way to talk about it in the review segment because it's the reviews are the same, uh, you know, for the PC or the original releases, so you can't really discern, but it's been getting rave reviews, and that's God of War, uh, the port for the PC. Now, 
Interestingly enough, if you look it up, Digital Foundry uh, and a lot of other places have really focused on how well this runs, how great it is, some of the really great tech stuff that they've added to make it even better than the PS5 enhanced version, which is awesome. You want to see that when it's a, PS, a PC game. Uh, you know, you want to be able to see more limitless potential or not limitless, but like a lot more, right? And so kind of interesting here is that God of War's director, Corey Barlog, says PlayStation developers badgered Sony to bring their games to PC. This comes from a recent Game Informer interview with Corey Barlog. Uh, the quote here is, uh, I think it was the collective of studios all over saying, this is a really good idea. We should be looking into this. Eventually, I think it reached that tipping point when we had so many suggestion box suggestions that they were like, I'm tired of hearing all this. Fine, we'll do this. It's kind of interesting, right, Matt? Like, I, I, I would have thought this came from maybe like Sony um, saying like, this is a good business decision for us to move and do the PC thing. But it sounds more like it was the classic thing you might have thought where Sony was kind of stuck with doing the console thing. They didn't want to branch out and the developers were like, please let us make a game for PC. I love it because here's the thing. These PC ports are going to be more work for the developers. But if they're the ones who are saying we want this, like, Sony might as well just be like, okay, if you guys are willing to put in the extra work that's going to be required for it, yeah, yeah I mean, it's going to make us a lot of money, so we'll put these games on PC. So this this is awesome because it's a win for everyone. It seems like everyone in the end wanted this, and I hope this is a new trend. I hope we see all the, the big first-party PlayStation games going to PC going forward. Maybe not all of them right away, but if maybe in two, three, four years at that point, they're all going to PC, not day and date, maybe a year later. But I do hope we get to that point because I love the PlayStation first party games. I'm not alone in that. <laughs> it's very clear that many people love first party PlayStation games, especially their commitment to single player narratives. And to have that on PC is going to be a great thing. The more people that can play these games, the better. So this is really exciting. And I'm glad that this came from the developers and that this is something that they wanted to do. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, it's awesome to see it from a creative side more than a business side. And it's awesome to see that that was what drove that decision. Uh, I, I also think oh, a question, Matt, here, here's something for you. So it took uh, 2018 was when God of War came out, I think late 2018, right? So um, is that's just over three years here from it was the like original... early mid 2018. I think it was May, maybe okay, so almost almost four years then three and a half, yeah. almost four years for the PC port of God of War. How long do you think before we see God of War Ragnarok on PC? Oh, God. Well, of war. there's no guarantee we even see God of War Ragnarok on PS5 this year. Yep. I mean, I'm going to say 2025. 2025. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think they might cut down a little bit on how long it's taking them to do this, but not by a lot. I don't think this game was designed with PC in mind. I think they wanted to see how these other releases did first. So, yeah, like you said, I think in the future going forward, maybe they'll design them uh, to come out day and date, or maybe they'll design them to kind of come out uh, or be developed kind of side by side. But, yeah, I don't know if that doesn't really seem like how Ragnarok was developed. All right, moving on. Also worth mentioning that we recently learned that the port was actually in development for at least two years. So this is something they've been working on almost since, you know, just maybe a year after God of War came out uh, because senior manager of technical production, Matt DeWald, stated that he prefers to play with mouse and keyboard because he's been doing it so far, so far uh, for the past two years of development. So kind of crazy that he's been mouse and keyboarding it for like two years and we've been sitting over here with, uh, you know, DualShock controllers in our hands. You So you've been able to play God of War on a PC because of PlayStation Now for a okay. long time. 
I don't know if you could play with mouse and keyboard or not, though. I don't know if that was something that you could I do. Feel like no, right? That maybe you weird. had to have a PlayStation controller to do it. I, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But I will also say, Matt Dewald, what are you doing? The, clearly, the best God of War experience is on a PlayStation, specifically God of War, because of the way that the axe works. It's so satisfying with the controller. It's weird to me that he would say the best experiences on on mouse and keyboard like not even just like that it, the best experience is PC because it's the best visually but because of mouse right. and keyboard that's that's a weird thing to say well he said like he prefers to play with mouse and keyboard yeah, so that's I guess. Just maybe his like preferences i guess like if some people are really into playing everything with mouse and keyboard so maybe that's the case but uh, maybe I feel like it was a little bit of a humble brag or like a flex here. Just going like, yeah. oh, I prefer to play with mouse and keyboard because I've been doing it for two years. Well, you suckers have been over there, uh, you know, waiting for the PC port to come out. So there you go. But God of War oh, Ragnarok, yeah. dual sense. Can't wait. For yeah. It. Uh, you know what? I'm really excited to play God of War on PC with my Xbox controller. I'm going to have a really, really good Blasphemy. time. Blasphemy. Yeah, it's exactly the way it was meant to be played, I tell you. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, speaking of things that we're waiting for, Respawn's new single-player game is reportedly an FPS, quote, built around mobility and style. Okay. Um, I'm getting, like, Anthem uh, worries here, just from the design, <laughs> the wording of that. Uh, this is according to sources close to GamesBeat. This game is supposedly not a sequel to Titanfall. So this this is supposed to be, hopefully, I mean, potentially a new IP. Uh, they don't say that it is or isn't, but it's not supposed to be a Titanfall sequel. The release date is set for sometime in 2024 or maybe 2025. So it's, you know, it's pretty far out. Uh, and even from there, you know, I think they're pretty mixed on what's happening. Uh, it's pretty likely this is a single player adventure game based on Respawn's confirmation last July that they're working on a uh, you know, a, a single player adventure game. And this probably lines up with what they're doing with that. They all, they are also to be fair, working on probably they, they rumored to be working on a sequel to Jedi fallen order. So that could be that as well, but this does seem like it might also be that game. So Matt, uh, not a lot to go off of here, but uh, any thoughts on uh, where Respawn's going with this? Well, you said Anthem vibes. I just get Titanfall two vibes mobility yeah. style the the thing here is single player like titanfall 2 did have the single player mode that titanfall 1 didn't have yeah i believe that's the case i'm not 100 percent sure i it think is. that is the case um so that's interesting that this would be a single player only game like i don't mm -hmm. know respawn does really well with multiplayer shooters i don't know why they would limit themselves in that way you can do both Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, I love the idea of an FPS that is built around a single player narrative like there aren't we don't have a lot of those like most no. FPSs are built with multiplayer in mind first. Like that is the priority. So it's you don't see a whole lot of them that focus on the single player aspects or are only single player it just doesn't happen a lot. That's such a good point. Like if you imagine even like a melee action adventure game, they're mostly they're all single player almost always. And if you look at like an FPS game, they're usually all multiplayer focused in some way, or at mm -hmm. least they have a huge. That's so interesting to think about that because, yeah, it's so true. Like imagine a first party Sony game that's like primarily an FPS with really good mechanics, but it's a single player experience that that really hasn't happened. Which I guess I I think Killzone had multiplayer. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, but when I think of like 
first person shooter so that's single player only and focused on story i think of bioshock so that's a good that's a good example yeah like you can really do something cool with it we just don't see it a whole lot and and i know like the shooting is not the biggest thing in bioshock it is the story it is the art it is you know the voice acting and all that kind of stuff but it doesn't need to be it's not a multiplayer game it doesn't need to be some like crazy twitch shooter game you know so i would love to see respawn do something like this this is this is exciting but it to me it does i mean that's their thing i mean titanfall apex like they do these games with these first person shooters with crazy mobility and and stuff like that so it's interesting I, i just i'm curious about the single player focus side of it because it's just not typical we usually don't see that yeah, I agree. We'll have to see what this thing shakes out to be, but yeah, I am I am confident. You know that that I think what I was seeing was because Jedi Fallen Order went so well, uh, and there were some other examples as well that EA and and Respawn in general are kind of warming more to single player experiences and, and allowing that to to happen a bit more. So I'm sure they're seeing what's going on with Sony Interactive as well, and so maybe that's maybe that's what's happening there. So interesting to check out. We will follow that story. Okay, moving on, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy XIV because, hey, guess what, nerds? You can buy it again. It will go back on sale on January 25th, finally, because you know what? I've really been I've been really wanting to get <laughs> into Final Fantasy XIV ever since Endwalker happened. I was like, you know what? I should give this another try. I got a new, a better computer. I could really get down with this game, and then I couldn't play it. Uh, even on a free trial, I couldn't buy it. It was pretty frustrating. So Square Enix removed the game from digital stores, as you might remember, in mid-December as it continued to struggle with server issues, partly doing, um, due to the launch of Endwalker. Yoshida explained that Square Enix will be opening a new data center for the Oceania region on January 25th with five separate worlds, saying there should be more than enough room for everyone in Oceania to transfer over. The Homeworld Transfer Service, which lets players move over to a different world, will then resume on January 26th, allowing players to move to a new home world with the exception of transfers to certain congested worlds. They're also expanding the game's Japanese data center, adding a fourth logical data center there, which will add capacity uh, of up up to 50,000 players, which is awesome. And the North American and European data centers will be expanded uh, in summer 2022 and then again in summer 2023. So they're they're trying really hard. The chip shortage is kind of taking them uh, a little longer here to expand their servers, but they're clearly doubling down they're putting a lot of effort into servers which is great because to me i really feel like you know this clearly isn't the end here right i mean n walker is the end of this experience but i really feel like they really want to make final fantasy 14 get supported and last which is awesome because they're putting such an investment into it Um, but it is important to remember yoshida warned that the game could be pulled again if servers continue to struggle this is not something they if if they if they can't get people online they're not going to do endless queues uh they will they'll just take the game off the stores again so good news right i mean ultimately ultimately yeah it's still fucking wild to me that they took the game off the shelves off the digital shelves in the first month of their biggest expansion launch like that's crazy that is such a crazy move to make i guess their hand was sort of forced into it because they didn't want to anger people who were their current players but man if it's it's really too bad that they weren't better prepared for this from the beginning because they missed a month and a half almost of sales during the first month of their biggest expansion launch to date. Like that is 
devastating. I'm sure they did fairly well still, but think of all the sales that they missed that probably aren't people just moved on that won't be coming back when they found out they couldn't buy it. Like that is crazy to me. I've never seen anything like that before. It's, it's absolutely wild. Yeah, it, it just shows, and maybe to a fault, but it shows how much commitment there is here to the community as well. And I mean, obviously, launching a broken game or like a game that the servers don't work isn't great. Obviously, that's not, it's you know, it's it's a low bar to set. But still, I think it's fair to say that there is like, obviously, that Yoshida and, and the team really do care about the end user experience being good and playable and something that works. And they don't want to, they could still sell the game and you could just come on and not be able to play it. But like, I mean, look at what happened with Cyberpunk on consoles. They were fine selling that, even though the game barely worked on a lot of consoles. Uh, so, I mean, you definitely can still do something like that, um, but they, they, they didn't want to have that experience. So, yeah, I think that's cool. It, it might it might not work out, but I think Goodwill is still at a really high level for people who follow it, at least, or follow what's going on with, with this game. So if you're kind of waiting for it, at least there is that nice feeling that when the servers are up, you know, you will be supported and and you will be, you know, taken care of as a customer, I think, which is awesome. I won't be shocked if they do have to, to just pull the game again. They're going to have a massive influx of players. This news is going to bring new people in. So may, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of benefit to this in the end. Maybe it sort of brings hype and they will end up having more sales than they would have had. I, I don't know. But yeah, the whole, the whole thing is wild. You see... MMOs have server issues. You you never see them just stop selling the game for yeah. a month and a half. That's so kind of yeah, this 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 whole thing is wild, and I wish them the best. But I I do feel like they're going to continue to have server issues. Like I, it just seems like they're not expanding the North American or European data centers un- until starting the first phase in summer 2022. Those servers yeah. are going to have more issues those are probably their most populated servers. So, I mean, they're, the issues aren't going to end. Don't worry, Matt. Oceana is down. They're adding five new servers to Oceana. You so you're, you're set if you live in Australia. You're, you're good. The new, uh, the new home base of Final Fantasy XIV. All right. Let's move on and talk about some uh, everyone's favorite uh, topics here. NFTs. Sega has registered a trademark in Japan for Sega NFT. That didn't Creative. take long. Didn't take long at all. As we recall, uh, Sega indicated last year, uh, last month, I would say even probably last week, I think the story happened. Yeah, I think it was the last week. Intended to begin. Well, sorry. So last year, it did, they did say they were intending to be, uh, begin selling NFTs via Japanese social media posts. However, last week, its CEO, Haruki Satomi, appeared to have cooled on the idea somewhat, acknowledging the current negativity around the NFT landscape. I believe the quote was something along the lines of, you know, we want to see how gamers react, how they feel about NFTs. We're not going to do it if people think we're doing it in the wrong way uh it's not just for money you know it'll be a holistic experience you know that was kind of the vibe uh and uh they just registered a trademark for it so maybe that uh maybe that's not how it's going they're they, they, a lot of people are getting a little bit upset uh jumping the gun a little bit here and you know saying okay well are they even going to listen or are they just going to put them out and that was all lip service it would appear so. It would appear that it was lip service. I mean, <laughs> I don't think when we heard news of this last week that people were like, oh, awesome. I can't wait for this. I think it was the opposite reaction. And now right. they're registering the trademark. So also super original name, by the way, Sega yeah, NFT. Sega like NFT. Yeah, not great, right? I mean, yeah. if they're going to go through with this, then there are going to be 
consequences. Like people are not going to be happy with this. I'm still very curious to see what games <laughs> they plan to put NFTs in. I still feel like it's going to be something in Yakuza. I, I don't know. That that mm-hmm. just seems like the only real place that they can put it. That would, I, I say work. I don't, it, no matter what, this isn't going to work, but it's the only place I could really even see them putting it. So, I, or like, I, I guess I said, uh, I said Fantasy Star Online too. So maybe something like that too. Yeah, maybe like arcades, pachinko stuff. Maybe in Japan they could put NFTs. I don't know what that market's like, but that could be maybe something. You get a high score, you get an NFT, <laughs> make sure to <laughs> upload to your digital wallet. Before where you'd type in like, you know, your initials or something to get the top score. Now you type in your your Bitcoin wallet, your Ethereum wallet. And then, yeah. can, and then that's the one who gets the NFT link. Yeah, and it, it shows uh, your ape. Instead yeah, of so, uh, so, instead so, of your so. name, instead of your th- your three uh, letter initials, you you get to show your picture of your ape next yeah. to your high score. Yeah. You got it. Which is uh, all all my apes are gone. All my all, <laughs> all my apes are gone. Uh, <laughs> now, if you don't want to buy Sega NFT, that's okay because there are no shortage of gaming related NFTs. Last of Us and you know Batman and every just in everything voice actor Troy Baker wants to sell voice NFTs. Drawing ire from the community, Troy Baker is now a spokesperson for a new type of non-fungible token built around voices called Naturally Voice NFT. That's what it's called, Voice NFT. Nice and talk about, uh, you talked about unoriginal names there, Sega NFT. Now we got Voice NFT for Voice NFTs. Uh, Baker ended his announcement tweet by saying, we all have a story to tell. You can hate or you can create. What'll it be? Uh, people were really pissed about this tweet. Tweet. I think people uh, made their decision. They they chose to hate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw a lot of great. I was like, yeah, okay. I saw a lot of great responses when I went to the tweet, and a lot of it was just basically people going, or you can just create without making an NFT. You don't have. There doesn't have to be an NFT <laughs> to create something. You can hate or you can create NFTs. Are these the two options? Uh, which is fair. Uh, the announcement and controversial tweet have drawn a great deal of ire from the majority of gamers and prompted a semi-apology from Baker, who said, well, he said a few things. He said, thanks, you know, kind of y'all gave me a good uh, something to think about. And also said, quote, the hate slash create part might have been a bit antagonistic. Maybe. Maybe might have been, bit. right? I, yeah, a little bit. I feel like when you anyone who comes out of the gate, like, you know, I just feel like when you come out the gate saying like, don't hate like I you know listen to the haters it's like you know you're probably doing something shitty right <laughs> like it's like when you like if I think about like Jake Paul being like oh like fuck the haters you know whatever and I, I just feel like the same it's like the same thing here right anyone who says like like comes out being like don't like don't be a hater and like I feel like you kind of like are expecting hate and maybe you should think about why you're expecting the hate yeah um yeah, it's unclear what uh, Baker's doing necessarily um, with this. Like he hasn't said specifically that he's doing like voices or what he's like, what this NFT is even really going to be specifically that he's just a spokesperson for it. And they're kind of saying, hey, get excited. Uh, I think the person who voices Diva is in this as well. And some other some other prominent voice actors as well. So it's definitely people. Matt, what do you think about voice NFTs? Look, I th- I never thought that the art was amazing for a lot of the popular NFTs like the apes and the crypto punks and whatever. But voice <laughs> NFT is about as low effort 
as you can possibly go. You know what, Paul? This podcast, maybe we'll just take out clips. Every sentence that we said in today's episode can be its own voice NFT, a, a dot MP3 for yeah. uh, $5. So on sale now. It'll be on the blockchain, a small piece of the Amazon rainforest, about 10 hectares uh, across will be needed to keep the voice clip on the blockchain, but it's totally worth it because you can buy it and one day it might be worth something. Maybe. I don't know why. It reminds me of like the Charlie bit my finger thing where you could like people were buying NFTs of videos. And so like, I guess this isn't. I guess this isn't totally unprecedented, but it is super weird. I'm imagining like people who get cameos, but it's like buying a cameo that you own the rights to that specific cameo. And then you, but you can't really do anything with it. Cause I've seen things where like also necessarily buying the NFT doesn't mean you own the rights to like recreate or like reuse that content either. So like, it's not like you can like, so it doesn't always come with copyright. It just comes with owning the digital non-fungible token. Uh, so that's stupid you know, as hell. That's stupid as hell. So you can't even like, you know, it's not like you can buy. I mean, I don't know what the Charlie bit my finger, but that, that would be like buying Charlie bit my finger, owning it. But you can't like distribute it because it's still not like yours to distribute. But you can say that you own the digital original. <laughs> yeah, that's I, stupid. So you can't sell the movie rights to Charlie bit my finger. No. No, I, no, I don't know if that's uh, how that one works, but that is how some NFTs work, which is crazy. Anyway, I, I don't want us to become like the NFT podcast. And I don't want to sound too much like a boomer who doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But I, NFTs, I just I can't not talk about them when games when uh, game news springs them up because they're crazy. And I, I think if we don't talk about them, it could slip under the radar and pretty soon everything's going to be an NFT. So I think we should talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to come out and say all NFTs are dumb because I don't actually I do think there is some there's something to NFTs. I don't know if we've totally gotten there yet, but I do think there's something to it. The tech is cool. I don't know if Pictures of Apes is what it's for, but the tech is. Yeah, but there's but some of this stuff is just it's it's stupid. It's cashing in like the voice NFT. No one cares. I don't need a voice line from Troy. I don't need to own a single voice line from Troy Baker that I can't do anything with. That's so pointless. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. Use NFTs for something that matters. Like this is so stupid. But Matt, if Troy Baker dies, that voice clip will be very rare, even though his voice is fucking everywhere and someone will pay you a million dollars for it. I don't understand. If, if, if Teller from Penn and Teller wants to sell a voice NFT, then I, yeah, buy that. That makes sense. (laughs) But someone like Troy Baker worthless absolutely worthless that's a really good point i agree when you have someone whose voice is everywhere does does it really matter if you own a piece of it kind of ridiculous so anyway that's that's our nft rant for the day uh but also uh you know another story here 116 billion dollars that's a lot of money that's a lot of green i think uh I think the next big mobile company that buy, gets bought, maybe Zynga, uh, the next Zynga will be worth that much. Uh, $116 billion was spent on mobile games in 2021. This is a new record. This is crazy. These stats come from App Annie. Who's, who's App Annie, Matt? Is that someone? Or is it just a, a website or a tweet? A tweet? It's, I don't know. It's I, I, The article is from GameSpot, but GameSpot, GameSpot sourced App Annie. So I, That's it. <laughs> I wanted to I put her it. in there. Yeah, well, I really like the name App Annie. I think that's uh, you know straight into the point. $170 billion was spent overall in app stores. Wow. So $170 billion was spent overall, and $116 billion of that was games? 
Yeah. That's cool. That's really, really interesting to see. This is a 19% increase from 2020, which is pretty good. I'd like to see the 2019 to 2020 numbers. I wonder what that, how that increased. That'd be interesting to check out. Uh, the the most profitable here were Roblox and Genshin Impact. That's interesting. Genshin I, Roblox makes total sense to me, but Genshin I know makes money, but I, I guess I didn't think about how much. Uh, PUBG, Roblox, and Candy Crush had the most monthly active users. Candy Crush that's still going. That's still like strong. My wife wow. plays it sometimes. Yeah, neat. What's crazy about this is like. We knew how much Pokemon Go made. Wasn't it like something like five billion in it like twenty twenty or so? All of these games made one hundred and sixteen billion. Pokemon Go made five billion of that, and they weren't even in the top two. It was Roblox and Genshin yeah. Impact? They weren't even listed in the article that I read, which is insane. Yeah. So, and I guess like I don't know. This is one hundred sixteen spent. Maybe Pokemon Go. There's something that they did that made the revenue sound more than it really was. I don't know, but I don't know. so much money is being spent on mobile games. So much is being spent on Pokemon go and it's not even top two. It's, it's crazy. It's wild. You could literally any uh, like shovelware game. You see a lot of stuff that Zynga makes and a lot of other stuff out there. Uh, anything the merge mansion with the weird uh, Kathy Bates commercials as the grandma getting arrested, all that weird shit. <laughs> Every one of those terrible games has, is packed to the brim with microtransactions. And even if like a few people pay, you know, most people, I think you ask most people and they'll say, Oh, I bought something once. Even if everyone buys something once from one of those games, that's a ton of money. When you consider how many active users there are on smartphones, which is basically everybody. And then also then you consider whales and, and you have a few, you know, you have a few thousand whales per game. Good Lord. This is crazy money. It's just, it's nuts. It, it doesn't surprise me at all that that 116 bill. I mean, it is surprising. That's just a ludicrous number to see, but I, I get where it comes from, but yeah, it, it is crazy. that stuff like $5 billion from Pokemon go doesn't even really make the list because you know, Roblox is making so much money. Roblox is the, I, I, I really wish I could understand it. I don't understand it. It's the craziest. It's the craziest thing to me. You just have to find a nephew to ask and they'll, they'll know. They can tell you. It's just crazy because it's like I saw some great articles about this and you can I'm sure you can look it up at home. But like a lot of stuff about it's basically run on like just like not paying children. Like it's just a bunch of children. <laughs> it's like a bunch of children who like make shitty maps and then other kids play them and they don't get paid for making up. And then if you make the map, you only get paid in like or like the game type. You only get paid in like uh, Robux and then you have to like have like a thousand dollars worth of them to even cash them out. So like most oh. people. So most people don't cash them out. They just cut these. You, you, like if you get them in Robux, you can use them as Robux, but you can't cash them out for like actual USD or, or fiat currency or whatever, unless you, unless you hit a certain threshold, which I think is like a thousand or something really high. Right. So, so most times it's just kids, even kids who are creatively making something end up just blowing the Robux because they, you know, <laughs> who the fuck is going to save up to a thousand dollars of Robux. Right. And so it's kind of, it's like, again, I'm not going to get like a whole tirade, but it, I, the main thing I know about Robux is like, they are, they are farming the children. <laughs> hey, you know what? If it's that's a how business you've got to make your money. <laughs> it's, it's a, it is absolutely a business model and they're, they're proving it's worth. <laughs> Oh my god. All right, let's let's move. Do you have anything else to say about mobile games, Matt? No. I play them sometimes, but uh Damn. 
I contributed to that 116 billion. Not not a lot, but I did contribute mm-hmm. a little bit. Like if I'm playing a good mobile game and it's free and they have some microtransactions, then yeah, I mean, if I if I'm spend a lot of time in it, I'll reward the developers. Yeah, toss a little bit of money that way. I think it's cool. All right, moving on to something, Matt, you're very excited about here. Just a little little tidbit of release info. Hitman Trilogy, a lot of people have been excited for this, includes all three games from the World of Assassination, which is Hitman 1 from, I think it's 2016, Hitman 2, 2018, and then the newest one, 2021. So that's awesome. All three are in there. In addition, this is available digitally on January 20th on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, Epic Game Store, as well as Steam, and here's the cool thing, it's also going to be on Xbox Game Pass, including PC Game Pass. That is some pretty, that's some pretty massive value, Matt. I mean, I have not played these games, but I, I would say, uh, you, I'm sure you'd say this is pretty great, right? This is fantastic value. I So I've played Hitman 1, and I've played half of Hitman 2. Um, I, I should really go back and finish it at some point, but I love hitman one it is so good what i played of hitman 2 i liked but i still think i prefer hitman one hitman 3 looks amazing it's been on my list since it came out it wasn't i I didn't want to get it day one i was going to wait for a sale it's been on the sale a couple times but i just haven't pulled the trigger no pun intended (laughs) but now that it's going to be on pc game pass i'm going to have all three of them and it's waited yeah and it's like this upgraded version they're all together they all look better i think features are shared between the games so this is this is awesome i'll be able to play hitman 3 which from everything i've heard is a really good game and the best of the three so i'm excited i'll be playing this when it comes to to game pass pretty soon here this is this is great stuff i highly highly recommend these games they're really fun and they're silly and goofy and they're just a great time I, I saw people on Reddit kind of saying, oh, do I need to, because I wondered this too. It's like, oh, do I need to know anything about Hitman before I play these? Or is it kind of like a soft reboot of Hitman? And someone said, yeah, there's backstory and it's really good, but also it's, you know, bald man shoot at people. So you should be okay. Like if you, if you don't care, like, or you don't need to know everything, you'll be like, you'll be great. Like the game doesn't like yeah. force you to care. <laughs> yeah. At least in Hitman one, they really they'll like do cutscenes between levels just to explain like why they're in this location because really what they're what they're trying to do is just build really cool locations and then they're putting a story around that yeah. and to to justify it it's so ancillary it really doesn't matter at all <laughs> i literally can't tell you a single thing about the hitman story i don't remember any of it i just played the maps and they were super fun maps. The games are super fun. The story does not matter at all. Just have a good time playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it is good, though, if you're interested. So there you go. So if you want to dig in, it's not bad, apparently. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched for this. And also, if you're, we've been talking about VR a lot recently. Well, Hitman 3 is also coming to something else on January 20th, which is PC VR, which is awesome. The VR mode has thus far been available exclusively on PS VR, PlayStation VR. But... Uh, we can now see it on PC VR, which is awesome because right now, obviously, PSVR is limited to PS4. Uh, so yeah, we want uh, we want that, which is cool, and we can see you know you can actually play it. And I'm, I'm sure yeah, that'll be really cool with Game Pass. I assume maybe you could do it with that as well potentially, or maybe you have to have the specific Hitman Three. I, I know there's a lot of stuff going on where a lot of people have Hitman One and Two, and apparently there might be a way to be able to get Three through Game Pass separately or get them at all as a bundle. I, don't quote me exactly on how it works, but 
yeah, I think there there's a lot of ways to be able to make sure it works with the, the setup you already have if you're already, you know, into Hitman. So that's cool. As far as the VR, it looks kind of cool. It also looks kind of janky, but I'm not super interested in it for the VR. I just love the the way that Hitman plays. It's it's so fun. Highly recommend the games. Check them out. Yeah, I'm really psyched. I, I think I will give these a shot at some point, uh, although I'm not overly patient when it comes to games sometimes, so I don't know if I'll be able to. I, I've heard I have to kind of sit there and wait for stuff to happen a lot, as, as an assassin would. <laughs> so I don't know if I can. I don't know if we'll see. If, if, if you don't feel that way, Matt, maybe I'll maybe I'll a little bit. Way. I mean, there are so many ways to to complete a map. You can I mean, you can I do whatever you want. You know what? I think mostly people were talking about probably completing specific things in a certain way for like achievements or something, maybe not yeah, actually yeah. just beating a map or something. So, so maybe that's it. All right. Well, you know what? Everyone at home, that is going to be it for today's GG replay. But before you head out of here, I just want to remind you that if you enjoy GG replay and all of our content at goodnightgroups.com, like the game groups podcast and the blog, and you're feeling super generous, take a look at our Patreon over at patreon.com slash goodnightgroups to see if any of our three current support tiers might interest you. $3 plus tier will get you early access to our weekly podcast game groups. You could be listening to it tonight instead of waiting all the way till Sunday. In addition, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can send us a rating or review or whatever podcast you use, but Apple Podcasts specifically really, really helps us out. Um, also, Spotify, I think, might help us a bit too. So definitely, if you're on one of those platforms or if you can get to one of those platforms, do it. We really appreciate it. Matt, do you have anything else to say before we head out of here for the weekend? Oh, enjoy your weekend. And I hope to see all of you at the Sonic stream at 11 a.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash goodnightgroups on Sunday. It's going to be a fun time, I hope, at least for you guys watching me suffer. <laughs> so, it, But it's going to be good. Uh, Matt, I'm going to be running there as fast as I can, rolling around at the speed of sound. Got all places right. to go. Got to oh, follow okay. my rainbow. <laughs> That's going to be it. We will see everyone again on Monday. But until then, good night, Grooves.